You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to lay a bit of a foundation because I think without a doubt, it's been one of the most confusing, most testing times that it, our generation has had to endure. And I want to say that if God has done something before, God can do it again. If God has done it for somebody else, He can do it for you. If God has done it for me, He can do it for you. And, and hopefully tonight, I will say something that will build, will contribute to building your faith that you might see what your apostle has declared over this church, a year of restoration and recovery. As I said, it's been a testing time. Put on the back of our history as a nation, we've also had to do, endure 22, 23 months of this pandemic, all the complexities that it entails. I, I guess it's caused a lot of us to ask many different questions. You've got all the, the conspiracy theories that go with it and we've questioned our future, we've questioned relationships, we've questioned priorities. At the same time of questioning, we've all had to manage the current circumstances and ramifications of two years of lockdown, the results, the realities. And I want to say this as we kick off tonight, never forget who was with you in the valley. The Bible says in Psalm 23 verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Who's with you? God is with you. Who's with you? God is with you. Who's with you? God is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I don't feel Him. It's not based on feelings. It's based on knowings. What do I know? I know God is with me. God is with me in the pit. God is with me in Potiphar's house. God is with me in the palace. Wherever I go, God is with me. I will not fear because God is with me. The Lord was with Joseph and made him a successful man. So it doesn't matter what we're going through. We've got to pursue His presence. We've got to pursue His promises. We've got to pursue His purpose. And when we do that, like I said this morning, we'll see God interrupt the clock and the calendar so we can see divine restoration and recovery. So we can walk in the breakthrough that God has for us. I mean, Amos 9.13, the message translation, I love it. The one part says, everything will be happening at once. Everywhere you look, blessings. I'll say it again. The only thing we take into 2022 is goodness and mercy. But, but, but pastor, you don't know what Jack did to me. So who cares? Who is Jack? Put him behind your back. I mean, we're so busy with the past, we can't embrace the future. You don't know what it's like to go through lockdown. I don't. Where, where was I for two years? You don't know what it's like to run a business during lockdown. What is a church? Oh, now you're saying churches are businesses. I didn't say that. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm, I'm trying to activate you a little bit tonight. To actually irritate you a little bit tonight. Because I want you to think differently. Because when often a preacher is preaching, we sit from a perspective of our struggle and we say, listen, what you're saying is not my reality. No, we've all gone through stuff. We've all had to face Goliaths. We've all had to face battles. Like I said this morning, two of David's biggest keys to overcoming the Goliaths he faced was his personal relationship with God. And secondly, he stayed in purpose. Something that the church has forgotten. 
We think that soul winning is a big crusade. No, a soul winning is a lifestyle. Soul winning is a lifestyle. Soul winning is a lifestyle. Do you really know that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun? Do you really know that people dying without Jesus are going to hell, separated from God for eternity? Oh, pastor, don't preach like that. No, it's time that we actually believe what we say we believe. Giving out tithes wouldn't be an issue if you really believed that we've got to help people find heaven. Don't scratch, don't scratch. No, I'll scratch, scratch, scratch. Your testimony is critical. You're saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Your testimony. God uses your testimony. What is a testimony? It's a test you've overcome. It's where you recognize God's intervention in a situation. You recognize God's hand upon your life when, when maybe you should have died and somehow God kept you alive, where you could have ended up in jail, but God somehow got you out, where you could have, whatever, I don't know what your circumstance is. So tonight's mis, uh, message is maybe a bit of my testimony of the last two years. This is a journey of 20-something years. It's a bit like Psalm 23, and you, I referred to it this morning, because Psalm 23 is a story of David's life. It's a reflection of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness, of God's grace, of His mercy, because it is about a relationship with God. We can't become professional Christians. And yes, we should go amen. And yes, we should go hallelujah. And yes, we should go Honolulu and Waikiki and Kawasaki and Suzuki and all those spiritual things. But if we lose touch with the reality of a hurting world, of a broken world, of a confused world, we've lost the essence of Christianity. He tells us to arise because the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. For what purpose? So we can glow in the dark. Huh? Glow in the dark. My little light. What's this song like that? My little light shines in your little light. I can't remember how it goes. Thank God I can't sing. But there was a song like that. And that's how many times, how we become as Christians. And it's time for us to wake up. God placed you in this town. God placed you in this city. God placed you in this area so you could make a difference in your world. That you can make a difference with everyone. Every person you come across. Every person you bump into. That you can be the light in this darkness. That you can bring hope in this confused dark world. As the world gets darker, the church gets brighter. As the world gets darker and more confused, the church brings clarity and points people to Jesus and tells them that they've got a future. As the world says there's economic depression coming, God says, no, I'm going to bless my children. Like He said to, to Isaac in Genesis 26, He wanted to leave the land. And God said, no, stay in the land, sow in the land. And I'm going to bless you in the same year divine restoration and recovery in the same year because you committed to my purpose. You committed to my words. You are obedient to my, not, not this lifestyle Christianity. Lord, if you bless me, I'll do this. Where is that in your Bible? God says, if you go, I will bless you. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. We, we've turned Christianity and I'm not you, I'm talking to those that aren't here and not listening to the broadcast. Christianity is not about comfort. 
Christianity is about purpose. Christianity is not about comfort. Comfort actually is a curse. Because the comfortable you are, the more you don't want to serve. I thank God that after this Sunday, there are going to be more people volunteering to serve at the Bay CFC. I thank God that after this Sunday, there are more people that are going to invite their unsaved world to church. I thank God that after this Sunday, um, God is somehow going to just give you a spiritual, whatever the word is. 2 Corinthians. Did I say 2 Corinthians? My pastor declared in 2021 that CRC would see divine restoration. We didn't know what to expect. Like most pastors, our income was affected by the lockdown. Like most pastors, we were doing our best online and, and realized that it wasn't God's best. And let me say tonight, if you become a lazy Christian and you don't come to church anymore, unless you are stuck quarantined in a room, in a house or out on business, I want to challenge you to get back to the house of the Lord, to get back to fellowshipping with believers, to get back into the corporate anointing presence of God. It's a great substitute, but it should never replace the church. But we as pastors had to navigate these processes. This year, he declared that 2022 will be a year of many breakthroughs. Now, I'm talking about our tribe, our family. And I'm using it because it's my testimony. And I believe without a doubt that 2022 will be a year of many breakthroughs for my church, for our family. Why? Because I saw divine restoration take place in CRC Durban in 2021. I'm standing here as a testimony because I stood on God's Word. I continued serving God. I continued obeying God. I continued being faithful to God. And I've seen how God has taken what the devil intended for my harm. And He's turned it around for my good, for a purpose greater than me to save many people alive. Can I have an amen or something tonight? I've seen how God has delivered us. I've seen how God is still busy delivering us. And I believe, not out of motivation, not out of inspiration, but I believe with total confidence that God will continue to deliver us. If you had 2 Corinthians 1, say amen. If you're not there, just smile. Bring your Bibles to church. I don't know if Dr. Allen wants you to bring your Bibles or not, but I want you to bring your Bibles. I'm watching on my cell phone. No, that gets disturbing. You get a debit order going off your account in the middle of church every Sunday. Watch. Then your mind goes that way. Then somebody sends you a heart and your mind goes that way. Sometimes we need to be delivered from technology. As much as it's a blessing, it's also, uh, okay. 2 Corinthians, where's your Bible? I'm joking. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Are you there? For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble. Who's writing this? The great apostle Paul, the one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Not a Mickey Mouse Christian. Somebody who talked about the blessing, but at the same time endured much. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. He doesn't go into details. You know, it's not worth talking about everything you've gone through all the time. He says, listen, we faced some nonsense. The stuff hit the fan. 
I, I don't want to burden you with it, but I don't want to be ignorant either. We face some troubles, these great apostles, these anointed men of God, the ones that are proclaiming the gospel. We've gone through some stuff. We were burdened beyond measure, above strength, that we even despaired of life. Hmm? The apostle Paul got to a place where he thought, I'm going to die. I can't anymore. I don't know how I'm going to get to the next phase of my life. This depression has got me. This affliction has got me. This pandemic has got me. I've almost lost everything. I have lost everything. I don't know how I'm going to get further. He's going on. He's saying, listen, we've even despaired almost the point of death. Verse 9. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That we should not trust in ourselves. Maybe God is allowing what we're going through to bring a shift. God didn't ordain it. Sickness, poverty, destruction, all that stuff never comes from God. It's in this world. But God sometimes will allow certain things to help us shift. Have you ever got to a place where you thought you know and you actually realize you know nothing? I remember as a young saved Christian hearing preachers preach at conferences and they would make this wonderful statement. And I used to quote them, but then I realized it wasn't true at that stage. It's true now. But they used to say this, the longer I serve God, the less... I really know about God. And I thought that sounded quite cool. So I used to say, you know, the longer I serve God and know all the scriptures and praise God, you know, uh, the less I know. Now I realize the less I know. Now I've come to the point, the less I know. Because I, how I thought God would deliver me is definitely not the way he did deliver me. Who I thought God would use to help me is definitely not the people that I would have put on my A-list of people that are going to help me in a difficult time. Come on, let me help you tonight. Let's be real tonight. The afflictions that sometimes we go through, God wants to use to help us put our trust in Him. Come on, if we sit here tonight and you thought, you know, if people had to see the worst me, I wonder how many of them would stand with me and you'd have your A-list. Jack would stand with me. Safiso will stand with me. PT will stand with me. And when you go through that, Billy Graham once said, when you get to the end of your life and you've got five good friends, you've done great. When I heard that for the first time, I counted 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Now I realize, hang on, it's true. Because people come and people go. Paul's saying, listen, there's one thing that's, that, 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 that's secure. And that we should learn to not put our trust in ourselves or in man, but in God, here comes the hope, who raises the dead. God's in the business of raising dead things. God's in the business of turning around negative situations. God is in the business of taking nobodies and making them into somebodies, taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary. But it starts by putting your trust in Him. Then He goes on, I love this, verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death. Who has delivered us? He's talking about past tense. And then He says, and does deliver us. We're sitting in church tonight worshiping God and He's busy orchestrating things. <laughs> I'm here, I could be in my church, but I'm actually in Cape Town and I'm ministering the gospel. And sometimes when you travel, you're worried about what's happening in your church. I'm not even thinking about it because I'm trusting God that as I do what He's called me to do, when I refresh others, He'll refresh me. When I serve others, He'll serve me. He'll, he'll, he'll make a way. I've got to do my part, He'll do His part. 
He's busy delivering. He's sending the right people. I was talking to one of my pastors today. He said, Pastor, just my zone this morning, one service had over 20 visitors. I went, amen. I'm not, what I'm trying to say to you is we've got to trust God. We've got to know that He has delivered us, that He is currently, as we serve Him, continually delivering us. And then He says this, and whom we trust will still deliver us. And then He goes, verse 11, you also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks, I like that word, thanks, something that seems like has become unpopular to say, thank you. Thank you. You know, it's a privilege to come to the bay. Do you know how well you get served when you come here? I, 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 I said, to, said to Renee, I said, you know, it's one of the places where you feel most welcome as a man of God. Served excellently, made easy to come and minister. I don't take it for granted. I say thank you. I'll say thank you to Pastor Allen tonight. I'll send him a text. Say thank you for the privilege, the honor. Whenever I preach for my pastor, I always send him a message. I don't send it out of repetition because it's always an honor. I don't take it for granted that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Now I want to say this tonight and I want you to hear me, please. We have got to get to the place where we, where we praise God for what He has done. Because when you start giving thanks to the Lord for all He has done, it's like shooting arrows at the enemy's heart. One of the things I've always wrestled with my kids, and they now my daughter's 19, my son is 22. I was 25 when we had got married, and I was 27 when we had our kids. That's why I look so young. Try and work that one out. But I've always said to them, say thank you. But dad, you know we're thankful. I said, no, no, no. Make it become a habit in the natural. That when it comes to God, you'll never take things for granted. Always look people in the eye and say thank you. Thank you for serving me. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for doing this to me. Thank you, mom, for the supper. Even if it's by faith, just say thank you. Not for the supper, but for the good meal. It was a great meal, mom. Thank you. But Psalm 100 verse 1 to 5 says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Now watch this. It doesn't say all you extroverts. All you charismatic Christians. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord all your lands. That means every person that calls himself a born again, spirit-filled believer, make a joyful shout to the Lord. Unto the Lord. The church should be a place where we erupt with joy and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. We should be unashamed because we want to thank God for what He has done. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Why do we serve God? Because of what He's done. I remember the day I got saved and that weight of sin and heaviness and it was all taken off my shoulders. And the first thing I said to God, you can, you can do with me whatever you want. Am I still willing to say that today? Have I forgotten what He has done? Have I forgotten how He delivered me? Have I forgotten those moments where I was out with my friends and had a gun against my head and the guy pulled the trigger and it went through the roof of a Sun International Hotel? Have I forgotten those nights that I drove a car drunk and was in accidents and never got killed? Have I forgotten how I was 
had no peace and had no joy. And I was looking for answers in alcohol, in relationships, in success, in sport, in business, in money. Have I forgotten that I was tormented by the enemy? Have I forgotten what the Lord has done? Or am I still thankful for what He has done? Am I still grateful for what He has done? Do I remember what the Lord has done? That little prayer, God, if you do this for me, I promise you I'll serve you with gladness. I'm just enduring my cross. No, serve the Lord with gladness, not sadness. Yeah. Got to be at church at 4.30 this afternoon, 4 o'clock this afternoon to get ready for the people that are coming because I don't feel like this. You know know what the Lord did to me? My first preaching appointment, when I told my pastor I wanted to become a preacher, I was about 23 years old. Old age homes. Old age homes. I'm not talking about old age homes. I'm talking about the final departure lounge. That when I started preaching, and I thank God, I think God put them in a trance, they fell asleep. And when I went, amen, they woke up. Every Sunday afternoon, four o'clock. I had to go between three old age homes. The one had a lady whose face was being eaten by cancer and she would sit right in front of me like this far away and I would look deep into her brains. I mean, Lord, can you not understand me? I'm 23 years old. I've given my life to you. I've stopped all my sin. Couldn't you have sent me to a a nice university campus for girls only? That would have been a bonus. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but the Lord comes to give life and life more abundantly. I mean, I mean, couldn't you have done something like that for me, Lord? No, old age homes. I learned to preach in old age homes. My first job in serving the church was a prayer meeting at five o'clock every morning. It was amazing. I couldn't wait to go and open the church for three old ladies. I'm not against old people. But I was 23. Couldn't we have a three? You know what I'm trying to say? But at that stage, I was just thankful that He saved me. I didn't care what they looked like. I didn't care how old they were or how young they were. I was just grateful that I was blind. Now I see. I was grateful that I was lost. Now I'm found. And we can never forget what the Lord has done. When I face cancer, Lord, if you heal me, I'll serve you. I didn't put prerequisites on it. I didn't put demands on it. Are we still grateful for what the Lord has done? It says, enter His gates with thanksgiving and enter His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. We bless the Lord until we see that nice girl in church. It's amazing. They're both bouncing up and down, jumping. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. La, 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 la. And then they catch their eyes. Now it's all of a sudden dignified. I'm getting deeper with the Lord. Deeper. Now you look like you in the bathroom. Nothing deeper about your facial expression. But where did the joy go? Where did the thanksgiving go? Where did the rejoicing go? 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, come on the base EFC. I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Oh, come on the base EFC. Maybe the online campuses will get it tonight. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again. Why? Because the Lord is good. And His mercy everlasting, His truth endures to all generations. I mean, Psalm, Psalm 78, I'm running out of time again. I haven't even got time to get into my scriptures. Psalm 78 speaks of a journey that God has with His people Israel. He reminds them how they must speak of Him and remind generations to come of His goodness, power, and mercy. Psalm 78, verse 5 to 8, I haven't got time to read it. But they had this tendency to forget. I think we're a bit like that, aren't we? We have a tendency to forget. We forget what He does do. What he has done. And here's the reality. They became ungrateful. Now watch this. Psalm 78 verse 40. How often they provoked him. When we become ungrateful, we provoke him. Not a good thing. I've been married 25 years to the same lady. 14th December last year. 25 years. I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, we were brying at my house. Good family friend. I said, I don't know what we did. But I said, watch me provoke my wife. Gee, pastor, you're playing with dangerous things. Now, the woman that I'm scared of hasn't been born yet. <laughs> but I've been married to her for 25 years. It's easy to bait her. Like it's easy for her to bait me. It's one thing to bait your spouse. Bait God. How do we bait God? By being ungrateful. By being unthankful. Lord, I surrender all except, oh, Lord, let me tell you what, I'm not surrendering. That, blah, blah, blah. No, no, it says here, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. What, what happens? God was not limited. They limited him. We want to see divine restoration and recovery. We better live grateful. We better thank God for all he's done. We better thank God for what he's doing. We better live with an attitude of gratitude. We better come rejoicing every time we come to church. Rejoicing in the Lord. Because he's good. Why do people go to church? Because we don't tell them enough how good God is. We're always competing with other people and, and they've got something. So when I get that, I'm going to invite more people. When I get there, I'm going to, no, no, no. Why are you not doing it now? Because you've forgotten. Why are we not soul winners the way we should be? Because we've forgotten. That's why when David faced Goliath, the first thing he picked up was his rod, not his staff. I mean, not his, his pebbles, not his slingshot. He picked up his rod, his staff. Why? Because in biblical times, the staff represented a shepherd's life. They used to make marks into that staff. And when he picked up that staff, he was reminded how God had delivered him from the paw of the lion. He was reminded how God had delivered him from the paw of the bear. And he said, hang on a second. I'm building my faith. When you say thank you, you are building your faith because of what the Lord has done. God's not limited. But we limit Him by forgetting what He has done. We faced a pandemic, family. No one knew how it would pan out. But as the church of Jesus Christ, we're still alive. People said we had closed down. People said it was over for the church. People said it was a new online church being born. Garbage. 
Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The enemy can't stop Isaiah 14, 27, what God has ordained. We're gonna see bigger churches. We're gonna see stronger churches. We're gonna see more revivals break out in Jesus' name. C.R.C. Durban, we love more people. We served more people. We fed and clothed more people. In our time of need, we made a decision to become more generous. We thank God for what He has done. In Durban, we faced the eight days of July riots. But instead of rolling over, Pastor had made a declaration and said to CRC, we're going to come together. We're going to serve the people of Durban and Gauteng. And they sent down 15 interlinked trucks. I think it was 15,000 food parcels, boxes of food, one parcel that fed a family of four for a month. They sent down 15 interlinked trucks. And for the first 10 days after the riot started, our church served with other ministries to distribute food. We didn't look at our need. We distributed it to the needs of others. Why? Because we're thankful for what God has done. We trust God that He is delivering us. Our sanctuary was attacked. We were right in the epicenter of the, of the riots. They tried to burn our church down in Three times in four different places. But God, Psalm 91 verse 7, the Bible says, A thousand may fall at your one side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their hands. They shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Then it goes on and then it goes on. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. They ransacked our building and they stole 85 to 90% of our equipment. Everything. Destroyed. I think we counted the other day, 20 something doors were broken. The glass offices threw couches through the windows. Don't want to tell you all the disgusting things they did. Stole the equipment. I got there on the Friday for the first time. <laughs> and I said, okay, we'll have a prayer meeting tomorrow. We're in hard lockdown. We'll have a prayer meeting on the Saturday morning and, and start cleaning up and make it sort of access, accessible. My father is not even a Christian. I phoned him on the Friday night and said to him, Dad, listen, we're all safe in Durban. Um, um, he said to me, son, are you, you going to have a service on Sunday? It's a strange question from a non-Christian to a Christian. So I said, Dad, we've got no equipment. I said, we're going to have a prayer meeting after we clean up tomorrow. He said, it's not what I asked you. He said, are you going to have a service on Sunday? I said, Dad, we've got no equipment. He says, listen, you charismatics must stop your nonsense. You don't need lights to have a service. You don't need smoke to have a service. You don't need noise to have a service. What is true leadership, boy? My dad's a great leader. I put the phone down. I felt unsaved, repented five times, confessed Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I couldn't sleep that Friday night. And the whole night, all that was in my spirit was something that my pastor had said to me once years ago, which prepared me for this. He said, when the enemy pushes back, you push back harder. When the enemy comes at you and you lose a loved one, when the enemy comes at you and you lose a, a, a contract, when the enemy comes at you, why don't you push back? How am I going to push back? I'm going to thank God more. I'm going to praise God more. I'm going to witness God to people more. I'm going to show people what it means to be a Christian. Nobody gives to people that moan. 
Well, things are really bad. I go, yes, two rand fifty. No, we serve God in spite of what's going on. That's why Paul didn't give much attention to the suffering. He just said, listen, I've learned to trust God who has delivered me. This is important, please. I'm not trying to, I'm not boasting in ourselves. Didn't sleep that night. Had this in my spirit. I, I texted my pastor at uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. said, hi, Pastor. Uh, uh, I am going to have a service on Sunday. We'll somehow link to you. Hard lockdown. Now I'll boast about this. We had 222 or 232 people that came. We're not supposed to have anybody there. People are scared. They're scared of what's happened in Durban. I mean, it really was bad. And, and, but people came and we worshiped together. We participated in the service. And I thought, that's how we need to serve God. That did more for our church than anything else. That we, when the enemy pushed us back and we could have rolled over and we could have made excuses and we could have justified, we stood together as a church. We portrayed the power of the local church. We said, listen, we're going to push the enemy back harder in Jesus' name. But here's the thought. We've come through the pandemic. We've come through some serious storms. We've come through the fire. But God has delivered us. And God is busy delivering us. Have you thought for a second, every one of us here in this building, online campuses watching online tonight, you're not dead. You are alive. You've got something to be grateful for. You've got something to be thankful for. You've got something to give rejoicing towards God for. Oh, come on. Just jump to your feet right now for a second and praise God. Thank God. Worship God. Thank Him for His goodness, His grace, His mercy. Thank God that Pastor Janine came through all that she went through. Thank God that Dr. Allen is strong and on fire for God. Thank God for his family. Thank God for your family. Thank God that God is still God in this time. You see, as long as we are receivers of mercy, we must be givers of thanks. The second thing I'm going to say, be seated, I'm going to be quick. I have to be quick. Number one, be thankful for what he has done. Be grateful for what he's busy doing. You see, it's too easy to forget what God has done. And that causes us to lose focus on what He can do and He's busy doing in our lives. Because restoration is a journey, not a destination. Moments of breakthrough is a journey, not a destination. And if we forget what He has done, we won't have the faith in God to trust Him in the present. We have to trust Him in the pit. We have to trust Him in Potiphar's house. We have to trust Him in the prison. And we have to trust Him when we're in the palace. And finally... He will still deliver us. That's why we should be dreaming big dreams and attempting great things because the purpose or the process that you're going through has a purpose connected to it. And that purpose is souls. During this pandemic, somebody asked me, he said, Pastor Glenn, what's your life's purpose? I read a nice cute one from a pastor once. It said, to, to win lost souls and to keep lost souls safe, saved. I thought, man, that sounds cute, but it can't be true. And I thought, okay, here's my life's purpose. To win the lost and to keep the saved in their purpose. Not saved, in their purpose. In their purpose. In their purpose. And their purpose is to win the lost. And as long as I live to win the lost personally and to keep the saved in their purpose, they'll be able to come, overcome every battle. Like I shared this morning, Genesis 50 verse 20. When, when, when Joseph's father had died and he was all restored and he was the prince of Egypt, 
His brothers came to him after his father died, thinking he's going to bring retribution against them for what they did to him. And they're fearful. And Joseph says, no, listen, you, you misunderstand this whole picture. I'm in the place of God. Notice he didn't say he was God, but he understood God's purpose for his life. He said, I am in the place of God. What you intended for my harm, God turned around for my good to save many people alive purpose. Like I said this morning in Joshua 1, where, where the Bible says, be strong and courageous. And it says three times and verse 9, it always, which every Christian can quote is verse 9, where it talks about if you're strong and courageous, you'll have great success, blah, blah, blah. I quoted that a million times. But verse 6, as I'll be with Joseph, uh, Moses, so I'll be with you, blah, 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 blah. Verse 6, be strong and courageous the first time. For unto the people, for unto the people you should divide the land as the inheritance, purpose. Romans 8 verse 28, all things work together for good. Amen, pastor. I'm going through a difficult time. I know. If you're living in this body, you're going to go through a difficult time. All things are going to work to good. Conditions. Abram, I'm going to bless you, but you're going to be a blessing. And through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Do you realize that every time God promises something, there's a condition to it? Seed time, harvest, not harvest, seed time. Even far, farmers get it. All things work together for good. To those who love God, oh, God knows my heart, I love Him. Comma. And are the called according to His purpose, not my purpose, His purpose, which is souls, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. For this purpose, Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Family, we have to get back to soul winning. You want that business to flourish? Let's get, connect that business to soul winning. You want that business to, 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 to expand? Connect it to soul winning. You want your family to be blessed? You know, the Bible says in, in Proverbs 11, uh, verse 25, New Living Translation, if you refresh others, seed, God refreshes you. Pastor, I'm going through depression. Go and pray for those that are going through depression. Don't pray, lay hands upon them and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you've not given this person a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. And I declare healing over their life in Jesus' name. And leave it there. Say amen. Don't say, you think you got a bad brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. Let me tell you about my depression now. That's refreshing nobody. The seed. Because everything's about purpose. Everything's about purpose. He has delivered you. He is busy delivering you. And we believe that He will continue to deliver you. Listen, hear me tonight. I, I really have to go. I've gone over time. Don't follow the blessing. Follow God. To walk in all God has for us. To experience divine restoration and recovery, breakthroughs. We've got to follow Him. We have to pursue His presence. We have to stand on His promises no matter what we are facing. We have to get back to church. We have to get back to prayer. But I want to say almost part of it is the most important, get back to purpose. Get back to winning the lost. I want to challenge you, the Bay CFC, when last did you invite somebody to church? Our responsibility is to prioritize His presence, His promises, His principles, and His purpose. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I'm closing with this verse. 11 to 13, the easy translation. Sorry, I didn't give it to the media. But it says, I want to do many good things for you, the Lord says. I want you to become rich and strong 
I do not want to hurt you. I want you to believe that you will have a good future life. It starts by what we believe. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Here in this building, all over this church, live campuses, wherever you are tonight. Father, I pray that in 2022, we as Christians will prioritize your presence, your promises, your principles, and your purpose. Maybe tonight there are people standing in this auditorium watching online and they're thinking about quitting, Father. And I pray tonight that quitting will never be an option because whatever the enemy has stolen from us, peace, joy, family, relationships, opportunity, resources, as we prioritize your presence, you are our good shepherd. It's coming back to us much greater in Jesus' name. 